Welcome in to the Locked On Knicks podcast, where the New York Knicks, Alex, killed the Gonzaga Bulldogs, I mean the Detroit Pistons, sorry, I thought it kind of seemed like they were playing a college team. It was 125-81, to an absolute blowout. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, I think the Pistons are probably hoping they can get a certain Gonzaga Bulldog after how things went in the Final Four. But yes, the Knicks destroyed the Pistons on the road. A much-needed victory for the Knicks after three straight losses. Julius Randle outscored the Pistons in the first quarter and went on to have a great game. Reggie Bullock was on fire. Alfred Payton actually played pretty good. And R.J. Barrett played fantastic. Some great performances off the bench. There's a lot to get into, plus a little preview of next week's action, which is going to be a pretty robust schedule this week. So we'll be getting into that all next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. You are locked on Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, which hopefully are getting closer to returning to But during this ongoing apocalypse, I am a meager podcast host, and I'm joined by the great Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website, just just maybe just the greatest Knicks publication in general out there. Alex, how's it going? Big win for the Knicks. You were just telling me you got to watch Godzilla versus Kong this weekend. So suffice it to say, an incredible Saturday and Sunday for you. Knicks win it again, one twenty-five to eighty-one. Um, this one was was easy after a couple of just uh, brutal losses to the Timberwolves, to the Mavericks. Not a whole lot of fun was there to be had in those games. The Knicks ensured this one was over quickly. Um, I was just marking their leads by Bullock and Randall threes. They were up eleven zero, literally less than two and a half minutes into the game. And then Bullock hits another one, 14-0. Bullock hits another one, 24-3, a football score, as Kenny Albert was all too happy to point out. Then it was 27-5, Randall hit a three. Bullock made another one, 30-7. Overall, in the first quarter, the Knicks got a season-high 41 points. So it's not just a season-high in a first quarter. It is their best-scoring quarter of the entire season. They outscore the Pistons starters over the course of that first quarter. An insane 39-1 to The Pistons were still at 23 points with five minutes left in the first half, Alex. And then in the second half, if anything, the Knicks were even more dominant. Um, It it really did feel like they were not quite playing an NBA team. But the mark of of an average team, which is what the Knicks are right now, is that they can do this against teams that they're supposed to. And, And the Knicks have been rolling of late in these types of games. Yeah, one might say, Gavin, by the... The uh, siren going on behind you. It was a five-alarm fire of a game, man. 
the Knicks were on fire in this game. They uh, they went nuts. I, I mean, I, I just want to Randall's say I, I, performing... I called them to do that. It was. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, that was yeah. good. It's like a flyover. Yeah, I just, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. They, they were a little confused at first. But they said, "Yeah, you know, we don't got a lot going on. We can, we can make that happen." <laughs> sure. There's there's not fires at, going on. There's no people to no. save. Whatever. I, it might even be an ambulance. I don't, I don't know if this is a fire truck or an ambulance, but whatever. Um, at any rate, you know, <laughs> hopefully, whoever that siren is for is okay. Uh, my thoughts go out to them. Anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, Julius Randall came out like. Exactly how I wanted to see him come out, which is, you know, looking like he had something to prove. I, you know, he acknowledged after the game uh, that that Mavericks game he classified as his worst game of the season, and I would wholeheartedly agree. I thought that he looked. I mean, we talked about it the other night. You know, it it had me questioning some things with him, with how things affect him on the court and stuff like that, because he just looked very defeated against the Mavs the other night and. You know, like when things started not going well, it seemed like it just kind of shut the switch off in his brain. In this game, he just came out and was like, I'm just going to dominate from the opening tip all the way through the end of the game. And he didn't even need to play through the end of the game. Let's I guess we could talk first about the fact that not a single starter hit the floor in the fourth quarter, which tells you just how comfortable of a win this was. That never, ever, ever happens with Tibbs so far this year. I mean, the Knicks have already been up 20 with six minutes to go, and they give up a three to only be up 17 or whatever, and Tibbs throws the starters back in, you know, to make sure that they don't cough up a 17-point lead in the last six minutes of the game with the bench unit. And so, like, to see them put on that dominant of a performance was really something, uh, and it was it was a real breath of fresh air. And on top of it, I mean, not that not that this is, like, the A1 thing, but the the bench put on a really good performance in the fourth quarter, so hopefully that did a little bit to help Tibbs with trusting the bench in those sort of blowout situations to maybe take a lump or two, but ultimately come out on top because they outscored the Pistons by 17 points in the fourth quarter. The Knicks bench did. Uh, But back to Randall, man, like he was just awesome. So was Bullock. I mean, between the two of them, Randall had 20 points in the first quarter. Uh, Bullock had 14. So they had a combined 34 between them. Detroit put up 15 in the first quarter. So Julius Randall and Reggie Bullock over doubled the Pistons in the first quarter and Randall outscored them all by himself. Uh, So really just an utter domination. And, you know, it was Randall was hitting from everywhere. He was pulling out all of his tricks. Like his first shot was just a a nice catch and shoot corner three. Then next possession, he goes down and hits a step back corner three from the other side of the court, then comes down again on a later possession, like sauces a guy up uh, and does like a little, I forget exactly what the drill move was that he pulled, but basically pulled off like a, a you know a crossover into like a step back for a nice mid range jumper. Hit that. He was just pulling everything out of his bag in the in the first quarter, and you know the symbiosis was the Reggie Bullock was great as always. He f- managed to find Bullock for a few of his eventual six threes. Between the two of them, they hit eleven threes in this game, and they combined for fifty one points, which that'll do. That'll that'll definitely work, especially for two guys in three quarters. So it was just I mean, this was this was what we probably were hoping to see against Minnesota the other night. And the difference there was that the Knicks let their foot off the gas. And in this game, they didn't let their foot off the gas. Um, And that's that was the huge difference here. And I'll fully admit, like, you know, we talked about this for a second pre-show, but they 
only quote unquote only went into the half up 19 because they had taken what was a 30 point lead and coughed up 11 of it prior to halftime. And that really got me sweating a little bit like, oh, man, this might be kind of similar to that Timberwolves game the other night where they let up a little bit before the half and then they're going to come out, you know, still kind of resting on their laurels in the third quarter and, you know, just cough this game up all the way. But that didn't happen. They won the third quarter by eight points. As I said, they they won the final quarter by 17, and they wind up bringing home their biggest victory since 1996. Pretty lofty company. So, yeah, I was really satisfied with this game, Gavin. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. And the only people happier than Knicks fans were people that took the Knicks over. If, if, you're, if you're the type who would do that for a Knicks-Pistons game, well, boy, do we have a place for you. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If and this is a very big if. Use our promo code locked on. That's one word locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And we are back on Locked On Knicks, where you get your daily dose of Knicksdom. But if you want to get your daily dose of Sportsdom, we got a pod for you. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. With the Locked On Today podcast, host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Sometimes that's us. That's right. There are people out there dumb enough to consider us experts. We love it. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, we're back. We were saying it. A dominant win for the New York Knicks and you were, I think, just just sort of hinting at it. There, there was an opportunity for the Knicks to take their pedal pedal off the metal at the beginning of the second half and say, we got this game in hand. Uh, Detroit starters in particular are really, really struggling. None of them made more than five field goals or scored over 16 points. They averaged about seven points in this game between all of them. Um, why, don't we just, why don't we just chill out and, and let this one wrap itself up? The Knicks did not do that. They were dominant in the third. They were even more dominant in the fourth where, where Kevin Knox came on like a human victory cigar, drained three threes, the last of which was was spectacular. It was an in-rhythm rainbow courtesy of an of an on-target dish from Frank Nilakina. Uh, Alex, did you did you have any meaningful takeaways from the second half, or were you just sort of of the opinion, you know, at the game the game was over emotionally. This Pistons team is broken, and as Knicks fans, we we, we know a broken team when we see one. Uh, what what were your thoughts overall in the second half? Oh, I had plenty. I mean, I thought that it was I thought that it was pretty great. Like there was there was some really good moments in the second half. I thought, particularly in that fourth quarter. I mean, the third quarter was great, just in the sense that everything kept going as it was, which. I guess I'll sh- I'll take this opportunity to shout out real quick. RJ Barrett played a really good game. I I didn't think he got quite involved enough in the offense, which I I guess is the only gripe I can make. Uh, which it wasn't really a fault of his own either. But finished with 14 points on seven shots, five of seven shooting. That's as good as you can ask for, pretty much. Uh, four assists, two steals for RJ. So you know, not much to complain about there. Just I wish he would have touched it more. 
I guess the guy that we would normally complain about that with would be Alfred Payton. He took 12 shots, only made four of them. But surprisingly enough, I, I can't bring myself to complain about this game because if he – I look, I still don't want him to be the starting point guard on this team. I still think it would benefit the team more to put quickly in that position and you know let him learn with Randall and RJ. And, you know, I, I think there's something to be said that quickly plays a little better with those two as well because he doesn't feel like everything is on his shoulders. But anyway, I digress. Peyton was pretty good. Like, he had nine assists, six rebounds to go with 11 points, which, again, were not super efficient, but also had two steals and a block. Like, the big thing from him was I thought he was engaged on offense and defense in this game. Uh, I, you know, it it's a rarity with him, to be honest. Like, there's so many games where it feels like he's hijacking the offense and you know, he just like dies on pick and rolls or just loses his man and is giving up, you know, just as many on the other end while he's not even really contributing much on offense because he's just spending his time like hijacking possessions, driving into the lane, not generating contact. So just ending up bricking or throwing up a weird shot or getting blocked or whatever the case, because he, he's not really great at manipulating his body to draw contact. And then, you know, a lot of times it even starts a fast break for the other team. But in this game, like, he still did that a few times. He still hijacked some possessions, which wasn't great. He shot one of four from three, which, like, I understand the purpose of him shooting from three, which is that if he can make a couple, maybe he can at least draw some respect there for one game. But, you know, it, it just felt like mostly wasted possessions when he would shoot threes, like usual. Uh, but as far as his driving ability, he was using it. And instead of just going up for an ill-fated layup attempt, he was looking to kick out a lot. And he actually found a number of guys like in the corners and, you know, made nice passes out of driving into traffic that were generating things for the offense, which is what you want out of a driving point guard. So he finally sort of fulfilled the role in the way that we like want and need him to right now, uh, if he's going to be the starter. But uh, yeah, that was, that was that. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any comments on Peyton before I get into the, the bench mob guys? I, I just want to say he had maybe his pass of the season, which ironically, given his struggles to get assists this year, did not result in an assist. But he, he was driving and it was Miles Plumley and may, maybe Saban Lee. I can't remember who was guarding quickly at that point in the game, but but basically got sandwiched by two Pistons and, and he sees them kind of like congealing on him. And, and as they're closing in, just throws a picture-perfect bounce pass between the two of them on the move, really difficult pass to make, to Nerlens, who then pivots, kicks it out to Reggie Bullock, who drains the three. And it, it was just, it was a meaningful play because we everyone um, who either saw uh, Tibbs' press conference after the Mavericks game or, or read Ian Begley's excellent article summing it up, it, it was a big theme from Tibbs saying that this was one of the first games, the Mavericks game, one of the first games all year, we played unselfishly, or we played selfishly rather, and, and we, we didn't move the ball and guys were looking out for themselves. And, and he made the point that I, I thought was astute. This team is not good enough to play selfishly. They're they going to fail every single time. If they play selfishly, they're essentially the same team they were last season with, with slightly better frontline talent. Um, and I thought the fact that Alfred was passing and, and Nerlens, not that he's not a willing passer, but he's not a particularly talented one, were, were, were insistent on moving the ball um, I mean, there's something to be said for when you're winning and everyone's shooting well, there's good vibes. Everyone wants to move it along. Everyone wants to get assists. Everyone wants to play unselfishly. But it, it was, I thought that play was just emblematic of, of the Knicks' improved attitude. But outside of that, Alex, no, I have nothing else to say about Alfred Payton. Uh, go, go right ahead. Okay. So the bench mob, I thought, had a really good game. Uh, Taj Gibson, I, I'll do this, I guess, sort of uh, LOK 
I'll give myself one. Yeah, one yeah, this yeah. Time. You, you deserve. You, you want me to time you on it? <laughs> no, no, don't, because I'm gonna fail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Taj Gibson, I thought turned in an awesome game, which he doesn't really have anything other than awesome games lately. But 11 points, five of five shooting. Uh, he also had five rebounds, two steals, two blocks. I mean, he just makes so many plays throughout the game that make you think that he is a much younger man lately. Uh, he's just been so spry. He's been giving you, like, arguably Mitchell Robinson-level impact on defense sometimes lately, which is just crazy considering Taj is, like, like almost a whole NBA player older than than uh, Mitch at this point. Um, you know, so it's, it's cool to see him still have so much pop. And I just – I love every time that he's out there. I, I think that he provides great minutes. And I hope that even – Hopefully, once Mitch comes back and is able to uh, get healthy and everything in time for the playoffs, that we still get to see some uh, Taj minutes, you know, maybe splitting with Nerlens Noel based on matchups and stuff, because I think he's just fantastic. Um, Kevin Knox came in five minutes, had three three pointers. I, I tell you what, there's kind of like a hard dilemma to go through on this team right now between Knox and Obi. Because if you would ask me like a week ago, like, oh, what should the Knicks do about Obi? I would say bench him and play Knox because I, I think that Knox is ready for another chance at this whole thing. And the only problem is that Obi's, you know, finally starting to play better over these last two games, which I'll get to in a second. But I, I thought Knox came out with great energy. You know, it was garbage time. But clearly he was coming out trying to be like, look, I do still remember how to shoot. You know, maybe give me some opportunities to get back in the game and play in the rotation. And hopefully he gets that. Uh, I, I just, it's going to be difficult finding the minutes for it is the only problem because the Knicks are almost all healthy at the moment, you know, other than Mitch and the, the center situation, they're pretty damn healthy across the board. So it's, it's kind of hard to find those minutes, uh, for Kevin Knox right now. And that's because Obi Toppin played pretty well as well. Uh, in 16 minutes at eight points, two rebounds and assist shot two, four from three, which is good. His other make, uh, was probably one of my favorite takes of his. And reminded me kind of of how how he was operating in the Dallas game as well. He got it uh, beyond the three point line and kind of like hesitated for a second and then drove strong. Uh, I, you said it was uh, we were talking about a pre show and you said it was Jeremy Grant. I'd forgotten who the defender was, but if it was Jeremy Grant, it makes it that much more impressive because Grant's a fantastic defender in his own right. Uh, took it in strong, didn't do his usual thing, which is to sort of slow up around the hoop and stop his momentum which then allows his defender to fully get in front of him and make the layup way harder. Uh, also didn't use his arms to create separation, which is something that he does all the time and gets called for offensive fouls for. And he went up really high on the, on the layup attempt. And that really helped. Like he has great leaping ability. So get up there and extend as much as you can and, and try to get that thing off cleanly. And he did and he wound up making the layup. So I don't know. It's little things with Obi because he's, he's coming from basically unplayable, like a week or two ago to now, you know, trying to kind of find his rhythm. And I think he's pretty talented and he's pretty smart. I think he's starting to learn these, how this league works and everything. Um, beyond that quickly, there wasn't too much of note with quickly, except for he did have two really good possessions back to back where he got all the way to the rim rather than going for the floater. And it seems like that's something that he's really working on hard lately and implementing almost in real time. Sort of reminds me of like back when Mitch was a rookie and even some last year where we would see things that he would be doing wrong for a few games in a row or just things that he like needed to work on. And then we would just see them 
coming to life as the season went on. I feel like there's some of those things will quickly right now. Um, other than that, shout out to Theo Pinson and Frank Nilakina getting a little bit of burn and Jared Harper right at the end of the game. Uh, you already mentioned, you know, the, the whole, uh, Frank, uh, nice little pass to Knox off of a Norvell Pell block, which that is like the final fantastic moment of this game. I'll sum this up as quickly as I can, but basically Pell went up for an alley-oop attempt. He, he did get some minutes. Like he got, I think it was like two minutes right at the end of the game. He got an alley-oop attempt, went up for it, and missed it, um, but got fouled and came down and just, like, sat up against the stanchion and was, like, kind of smiling a little bit. And you're like, all right, what's going on? Like, are you hurt? Like, he just kept sitting there, and you just wanted to be like, all right, dude, you're going to get up? Like, what? Are you just laughing about the foul? Like, what's going on? <laughs> and then on the on the MSG camera, they did, like, a close-up of him smiling, and then you could see for just a brief second he lifts his hand up, and, like, his one finger – was pointed in the opposite direction of where it should be pointing at the first knuckle. Jesus. And so he dis <laughs> he dislocated a finger pretty badly uh, on the rim, probably while he was getting fouled, trying to dunk it. And so he just sits there still like laughing his head off. And then MSG being the saints that they are decide to switch to a camera angle that points directly down. So you can see his finger all, you know, pointed <laughs> weird, uh, which is always great for the squeamish among us. I wouldn't classify myself as particularly squeamish, but I don't like looking at injuries if I can avoid yeah, somewhere, it. Somewhere, uh, uh, but Pito it, is giggling like with demonic red eyes glowing, directing the cameras in, in a specific direction. Yeah, right. <laughs> you get that one. Yeah, get it. It's a perfect shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then uh, they they pop his finger back in, and you think, "Oh man, that sucks for Norvell Pell. He's probably got to sit the rest of this game because that probably smarts pretty bad." And then he gets up, and he's just like, "All right, let me go shoot these free throws." And he gets up, shoots the free throws, makes one of two. And then you're like, all right, well, maybe he's going to go to the bench then. Nope, he stayed in the game. And then the Pistons went down the other end. He blocked a shot with that same hand that he just dislocated a finger on. And then uh, the guy got the ball back, went back up for it again, and he blocked him again and blocked it in such a way that it got out to Frank Nilakina, who then ran the floor and found Kevin Knox for uh, the transition three-pointer, which was Knox's third make. And there was like 24 seconds left in the game. I got so hype seeing Norvell Pal out there gutting through a, a dislocated finger, which I've never dislocated one, but I've like jammed my fingers very badly. That's and awful, that's painful, man. man. Worst yeah. wor- wor- basketball injury. Everyone talks about the Achilles. The, the jammed finger is, is, is the bane of the basketball player. Yeah. And I mean, if you do it real bad, like particularly on a shooting or, or in his case, blocking hand, that can be real painful. Like you need to at least get that taped. And he didn't. He just got to pop back in and went right back up. Uh, so cool. Good for you, Norvell Pell. You are a badass. And uh, Reggie Bullock and Julius Randle said as much in the post game uh, press conference. They got asked about they they did theirs together, which I think was a, a sort of a gesture from Randle to Bullock to be like, "Hey, you come with me," because I always get asked all the questions. Like you can you can have your moment because you had a really good game today. And uh, they got asked about that, and Bullock said like, "Yeah, he's just a Knicks type of player," and I I just think it's kind of fun and ironic that. Every year prior to this, for the last like decade, it's been like, oh, we're going to bring the 90s Knicks back. We're all dogs. We're going to be great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it never happened. And this year is the only year that they were not like spouting off about like, we're all dogs. This is a great team, you know, whatever, like bringing 90s Knicks ball back. We're bringing back bully ball, blah, blah, blah. And this is the team where everybody's just like a super tough badass. And they're like one of the best defensive teams in the league. So I love it. Uh, I love Norvell Pell. Sign him. 
for the rest of the season. Gavin, I know I've ranted a lot, but I, I need to just rant a little bit more because you know what time it is. It is time to tell the good people about Built Bar. And yes, I, you know, we've been talking about Built Bar Madness. Built Bar Madness is over, just like March Madness is almost over. Womp womp, it's sad. Uh, <laughs> hail to the king, coconut brownie chunk again, the, your Built Bar champion. But, you know, that's that's not the only Built Bar out there. There's a lot. There's so many great flavors. There's 18, as a matter of fact, just on the base roster. And then they have others that they filter in from time to time. But anytime you want, you can get like caramel brownie. Cookies and Cream, a, a, a flavorful four contestant. Uh, you could get carrot cake, apple almond crisp, peanut butter, mint brownie, double chocolate, toffee almond, another one of my favorites, peanut butter brownie, coconut almonds, definitely one of my favorites that made it to the enticing eight. Uh, and every single Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. They're all soft and easy to chew. And most importantly, they taste like a candy bar, but don't give you that candy bar guilt. That's because they are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And that, let me let me just spell it out for you. For example, coconut almond has 18 grams of protein in it, just 180 calories, five grams of sugar, and five grams of net carbs. Cookies and cream, my, one of my other favorites, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. I challenge you. To find a, a a bar that tastes as good as Built Bars, but then B one that gives you that much protein for that few calories, you're not going to find it. Built Bar is unique and in a class of its own. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code Locked15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. And once you're done. Bulking up with some built bars, getting nice and strong. You feel like you want to do some manual labor. Maybe you go out and work on your car, and that's when you call up rockauto.com. Well, I mean, call up is a figurative thing. You actually just bring it up on your web browser. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to go to a brick and mortar auto parts store where they're going to ask you all these probing questions and charge you an arm and a leg because you're not a mechanic. They're not going to tell you that they can't give you your part for X number of days because it's not in stock. They need a special order from their warehouse, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you can't see what they're doing on their computer. They might have like two or three options for that same part and sign you up for the most expensive one because they want to make the most money. That doesn't happen on rockauto.com. Rockauto.com puts everything right in your hands. Whether you want to go on there from your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever floats your boat rockauto.com has the best user experience on a website for auto parts that I've ever seen. Super easy to sort through all the makes of car right on the homepage. Just click on your make, click on the year, the model, the trim package, get a nice, easy list to pick your car part from and order it direct to your house. So you don't have to worry about getting it shipped to a store that you then have to go back to later in the week, make another trip, then haul that part back in your car which maybe isn't even fully functional. Like why else are you doing work on it and ordering auto parts? So, you know, it saves you that whole hassle. And then, you know, it just shows up right at your door with rockauto.com for the lowest possible price because they're not going to charge you more than they would charge anybody else. They don't give mechanic discounts or anything like that. They just give everybody the lowest price possible and with fantastic family-run customer service for over 20 years. So if you want to check out all the parts available for your car or truck, Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for you. 
And if you decide to pick one up, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, and there's our ad break. Uh, I just want to remind all of you, too, if you want some analysis on the NBA draft, there was a lot of great games played, a lot of great prospects playing during March Madness, which is sadly almost over. But if you want to learn about those guys and figure out who the Knicks might be able to take with their two first-round picks this year, get more analysis on the top prospects available with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And that's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Cool new app. Definitely check it out. You can listen to Locked On Knicks there too. Uh, Anyway, Gavin, we're back. And you know what? I've talked for like 10 straight minutes. I'm so sorry. I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, What do you want to talk about next in this final segment? Uh, Alex, I enjoyed every minute of it. But uh, let's let's get into the the next schedule this week. Because I I feel like this is... uh, this is a surprisingly important week for the Knicks, even though it's I, there's still over a month left in the season, even though this is the time where the season normally ends. It's weird stuff, but bear with me. Uh, the Knicks play the Nets on Monday, the Celtics on Wednesday, the Grizzlies on Friday, and the Raptors on Sunday. And ca- call it a hunch, but I feel like this week will will have a lot to do with where the Knicks eventually end up in the playoff race. Uh, the Nets game promises to potentially be really challenging. It sounds like James Harden, who's um, been in and out of the lineup the last few games. Kevin Durant, who's missed, I think, close to two months at this point, at least a month and a half, um, could both be making their return. So that's that's the sort of game where if, if you win, it's the win of the season. If you lose, it's not the end of the world. But then Boston, Memphis, Toronto. Um, if the Knicks are looking to avoid a play-in, and, and again, it's only four games when the Knicks have what, like 20 games left, a little uh, right around there. Um, so in in the in that big picture sense, it, it's not the end of the world if, if they go one and three or, or even oh and four. But Boston slowly creeping their way up the standings. They blew out Charlotte tonight. Uh, they're now tied with the Knicks. Um, the Knicks have the tiebreaker, so they're one game up. But that could obviously change with that one game. And then Toronto is a fascinating team to watch because they're, they're way, way behind the Knicks right now, right? They're... They're five and a half games back of New York with, again, right around 20 to play. So you take that, 22 to play, excuse me. So you take that into account. Um, you say, no way Toronto catches the Knicks. But you got to remember, Toronto has been beset by COVID issues, injuries, the adjustment to playing in Tampa Bay all year. Um, their roster, is, it's, it's better than the Knicks, um, as, much as, I, as much as I hate to say that. And, and there's no shame in admitting that. This is a team that's still like, a, what, a year and a half removed from making the NBA Finals. Um, Toronto, I think, could make a run. And they're the team to note because they're in 11th place. So if you're looking for a scenario where the Knicks don't even make a play-in game, it's Toronto makes a run, Chicago boosted by Nikola Vucevic makes a run, Indiana uh, coalescing around Malcolm Brockton, Karis LeVert, DeMontis Sabonis, and what I think, I haven't been updated on the situation, but I think the eventual return of TJ Warren, they make a run. Those are all teams that, um, Chicago, it's debatable, but could make the case that they have more talent than the Knicks. I don't think that's particularly likely. I think more so what you're looking at is, can the Knicks avoid the play-in game? And, and we, we've said this a number of times in the East. I think there's a pretty clear top four at this point. It's Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami. Atlanta and Charlotte are placeholders in the four and six spot eventually. 
I, I would say most likely, if I had to bet my life on it, I think Boston gets to that fifth spot. And then that sixth spot is very much up for grabs. Um, and and I, think, I think this week, obviously the next few weeks, going to go a long way to determine where the Knicks fit in that pecking order. But it, it's certainly fascinating because there's a scenario where the Knicks, again, could, could get as high as a first-round buy. And there's a scenario still where the Knicks miss the playoffs altogether, even if it's increasingly unlikely. Yeah, so tell me if you if you agree with this. I think there's two ways that this first game this week can go versus the Nets. There's one option is the Knicks come out still riding the high of how good they were in Detroit. And they somehow, you know, well, they are going to be facing a rusty Kevin Durant and a potentially rusty James Harden. Though, according to some sourced reporting from our, uh, our Knicks beat, they were in uh, New York working out together while the Nets were playing their game on the road or whatever. James Harden and KD, that is, trying to get themselves ready, presumably for the game against the Knicks uh, on Monday night. So, you know, maybe they come out and they win, and that's that would be a huge momentum builder. I could see that propelling them to a huge week. The other thing, which is the, uh, unfortunately, you know, more likely scenario is that they lose the game to the Nets. Do they lose big? Do they lose close? And no matter what the outcome, do they let it affect them? Because, I, you know, I think that, ironically enough, the last time that the Knicks faced the Nets was that hell week where they had to also face the Sixers twice. And they lost all three of those games by a combined, like, eight points, which was just heartbreaking. Um how do they respond and you know what will happen first off you know do they do they keep it close do they get blown out do they lay down again do they maybe get out to an early lead and then take their foot off the gas which is something that we've been talking about is something that they absolutely can't do lately um you know that's a big storyline but then how they respond to this game one way or the other is going to be a big thing too uh because if they get like blown out by Brooklyn in that first game and they let it get to them, then this week is not going to be pretty. Like to your point, you know, the Celtics at some point, it seems like they will figure it out. Maybe they'll figure it out too late and they'll be in a play in situation, but maybe they figure it out on time, sort of like the heat are at the moment where the heat are finally sort of starting to kick into gear and get into that, like, you know, four seed mode there, Um, you know, or maybe they, they just don't figure it out at all, but either way, you know, they're, they're a dangerous team with dangerous players that always gives the Knicks trouble. Although, to be fair, the Knicks always give the Celtics trouble, too. But then you also have Memphis, hungry young team that's also fighting for their playoff lives in the West, where that's a lot more of a thing. Uh, they're in eighth, the eighth spot right now. But, you know, I mean, Golden State is kind of uh, two and a half games back from them. So, you know, it's not super, super tight right now like it is with the Knicks between that, uh, between like the what, four and eight spot, nine spot? Yeah, I'll just say the four and eight spot are only separated by a game. Uh, four and nine are only separated by three games. <laughs> so it's it's a little tighter in the East, I think. But nonetheless, the Grizzlies know every game matters for them. They're young. They're hungry. Um, they're playing pretty well. So that'll be a, a test for them. And then, you know, the, the Raptors as well are going to be a team that's going to be pretty tough uh, if they if they take them lightly. So... There's a, a lot to be gleaned from this week, I think, to your point, Gavin. It, it should be a pretty important week of Knicks basketball, I think. Yeah, I think that's as good of a note as any to wrap up on. Again, 
Knicks Nets tomorrow, seven o'clock NBA TV. Um, I'll actually be joined by you're, you're getting a night off, Alex. Uh, former Locked On Nets host, two of my best friends in the world, Josh Bass, Marcus Barahal, to talk about that one. Um, and then I'm sure I'm sure we'll figure out some stuff for you guys throughout the week to fill in the gaps. But three more big games: Boston Wednesday, Memphis Friday, Toronto Sunday. Gear up. The Knicks are making their chase for the playoffs. It's starting right now. You can follow all the action with us on Locked on Knicks. Until next time, be well. Peace out.